right, let's do this again. Yes, back again for another episode of Insights with Pete Mitch. That's it. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about, I guess, what gets labelled as learning dif- difficulties or learning abilities. I'd say like in the mainstream system. Main two things I guess we're going to be looking at today is ADHD and dyslexia. So mm. I think we'll start off with ADHD because I think that's a more common one and the most understandable one. Yeah. Out of the two. So yeah. we'll go from there. Yeah. One of the statistics that I heard a, little, a couple of weeks ago that the, the professional that coined ADD and the whole ADD, ADHD thing, he's really disappointed with the way the industry's gone with labelling everyone. Him, only 7% people with the label actually have. Yeah. I've actually heard that statistic too when I was looking into it, and that was quite shocking because then we look at, especially when you look at boys who get, get diagnosed with at a higher rate than girls mm. because of boys aren't able to sit still, especially in our educational system because... I guess when you look at, I guess, the way that, I guess, evolution-wise, men are made to go do stuff instead of sitting still, so then yeah. it's kind of like it a higher diagnose because the way the school system works, you just want them to shut up and just do the work kind of thing. Write your lines, Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I can't. I'm not interested in this. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it as well, the interest factor. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I are both both um, products of this where it wasn't until later we found out what we're actually interested in what really motivates us and drives us to succeed what our purpose in life is to actually be attentive Mm -hmm. because a lot of the subjects at school the way they're taught it doesn't suit and look i respect schools for certain aspects but it doesn't cater for everyone and we can't expect them to Mm -hmm. so what can we do about it. One of the things that I look at, and again, I've just said we can't blame schools, but look at what they give kids these days. Look at the diet. There's diet, diet is so important when it comes to um, factors that affect the nervous system, like ADHD. Schools sell coffee, soft drinks processed foods, sugary foods, kids are stopping at Macca's on their way to or from school. We've got tablets and screens, so it's just this saturated dopamine hit all day, every day. And then they wonder why kids' behavior is off. Is it really necessary to medicate that, or do we mitigate that by looking at controlling things like diet, things like those screens, keeping kids off screens? Yeah, because that's an important one. This is probably, I think, probably be another podcast. Is like looking at what screens actually do to the brain, because it actually they've noticed mm. like science and that's trying to like trying to figure out what we have such an attention issue at the moment. And screens are one of the most like prominent things that is mm. causing it. Because when you look at say reading, if you read off a screen compared to a book, you're more likely to remember what's in the book than what you read off the screen. Yeah which was a kind of interesting fact. Yeah, I found that really, really fascinating as well. And it's, um, I don't know if you find this with your clients as well, when you want, want someone to write, mm-hmm. read and write on pen and paper, and the first reaction is to go to making notes in the phone, yeah. and it's that connection to the brain. 
physical to the brain. It doesn't happen when we're texting. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things as well that comes into it, which is a huge thing as attention deficit, like a nutrition deficit, we can bring that into surplus. We can bring that up. Uh, but the emotional factors of the safe, secure relationships that these problems stem from. Uh, I know, I know you're really big into that as well. So tell us a bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so with a lot of, um, I guess with the way the move, our society is moving, the reason why a lot of these behaviors are getting a lot prompted up or, or I guess learning disabilities as they call it, is because it's, I guess it's the emotional component or emotional trauma that gets caused from an early young age, which actually Mm. makes the brain develop into a survival mode so it doesn't actually develop in the way that it should mm. to be able to not have these things for example so these studies are very still very early on like Gabal Matey talks about it a lot as well yeah. because, um, uh, another dude Mass and Kip who breaks down all the sciences behind it yeah. and, that, and it's because it's also with our family dynamics as well is that a lot of the time it's that children aren't getting the emotional support they need because yeah. of their parents not being there in their own traumas, working and yeah. all this kind of stuff, or being, I guess, you know, too pushy with things and trying to get the kid to develop quicker than what they should. Mm. And that comes back to keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing as well. You want your kid to, to walk faster, walk earlier, and the kid's crawling. Well, then their kneecaps and the pisiform, the bone in the wrist there, doesn't develop properly so then you've got limb problems later hip imbalances back different things and it's like let's not push it let's just support the kids to learn at their own pace but one of the things that i love what you mentioned there with with the lifestyles that we live both parents are working the kids don't get that emotional nurturing that they need and we're not saying that parents are bad and that they should be doing something it costs a lot to live these days but how can we minimize the stress come out of the survival response at home and attune, be attentive? Because if it's attention deficit, how can we bring attention and that mindfulness and presence to our kids? I find even just with kids at work, you just meet them where they're at a lot of the time with their enthusiasm, validate them if they're sad. It's these little things. It's not as complex as we like to make out. It's pretty simple. And I was really, I shared a quote, I think, on Instagram that spoke about it. It's like a lot of the time when kids have a meltdown, it's like normally the first thing that's ever happened to them is like losing a toy or something mm. like that, and, um, which is quite interesting. So, yeah, if you guys want to research it, I'll send a bunch of stuff. But like to bring it back to the ADHD and like helping to nurture people with ADHD, it's like finding the thing they like and, you know, I guess destructing stuff around that so then they can hyper focus on that because it isn't necessarily you know deficit it's kind of like an enhancing especially when they find something they're interested in because they'll learn everything about it that's right and I love that word you use a hyper focus something we are at in the right time I think this is where learning to harness it and wearing it as a disability and going, I have ADHD, my kid's got ADHD, they can't achieve, they can't learn, I can't do this or that. Learn how to harness it because our nervous system's not regulated properly. We're in that state of hyper... So we can hyper-focus, we can down and get a short period of time. 
time or do those extended hours for shorter periods of time. We still need to rest. It's not um, sustainable, but use it. I see it as like a superpower. And I remember years ago, I had a partner. She could see I was like right in to the train of thought. She's like, what are you thinking of right now? What are you thinking about? And I said, oh, what do you want to know? Because there are four trains of thought and there are, each one's different. Mm-hmm. And that just blew her mind because she wasn't wired like that. Mm-hmm. But I figure if we're going through that many thought processes more a day, mm-hmm. we can get through, sift through the get to the gold mm-hmm. of what we can focus on, what we can bring to the world. Because you find a lot of people labeled with ADHD and um, learning disability, we compensate in different ways. Yeah. And we have to find our way through life because we don't fit the standard model. Mm-hmm. So we're broader-minded, I find, broader approach when harnessed, when we learn to fix it. Yeah. So we learn about more things. Mm-hmm. We have this broader perception. These are the people that change industries. Mm-hmm. Richard Branson, dyslexia. Mm. Uh, there's a whole, just so happens, I'm to, I have a list. <laughs> so I was going to like, <laughs> Less, it's yeah. like when you look at NASA, I think it's when we talk about dyslexia, one in two people are dyslexic in NASA, and mm. 75% of the security team for the UK is dyslexic because of the way they think and the way they can see and problem solve differently to, yeah. I guess, the norm. Could you explain that a bit more? Because I was fascinated when you told me about how, the, how, a, how a brain with dyslexia works and how you see things differently and the patterns and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it was quite interesting because the way that I guess the brain works, it, it recognizes patterns a lot more people can't see. So it's like, think of this in proper words. So because you have a five-dimensional way of thinking because you think in pictures and words as well when you're dyslexic, mm-hmm. and because of your right hemisphere is more active as well because that's your creativity, so then you'll be able to think outside the box a lot more easier than most people. And it's a weird thing to try and explain to people when you jump to conclusions with things because the brain just naturally does that and you can't sit there and explain to someone. It's like, it just happens because when, because with the, yes, less hemisphere of the brain being more literal than that, it's that it's very hard for a dyslexic person to decode the words to make it sense to someone. Near right. Mm. That's very different to how... It's portrayed yeah. as that you just can't read yeah. or get numbers right. It's like when I, you know, when I guess because of dyslexic myself, when I look at words, I can see the letters, I can see it clearly. It's just my brain has trouble decoding it and being able to put it into words for people. Mm. Yeah, right. That's fascinating. But it's interesting just what people can achieve, mm. even and around it, that. Yeah, it'll get this. Yeah, this is very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So, Keanu Reeves, these are people with dyslexia. Yeah. A lot of actors, mm-hmm. when I looked up lists of people. Henry Winkler, who was the Fonz on Happy Days. Yeah. He was quite open about that in interviews as well. Richard Branson, look what he's done in the world to change the world. Leonardo da Vinci, Picasso, Steve Jobs, Steven Spielberg. These are people whose brains just work an incredibly different way. But look at the impact they've had on society or, and the industries they're in changes so much people with add and adhd a couple of famous people there like justin timberlake michael phelps you got the greatest olympic athlete of all time timberlake went music movies fashion labels different business interests 
because his brain just, we can't multitask. Yeah. We've got that broader thought. And a lot of people as well, when they see it as a learning disability, uh-uh, look at the high-performance professionals around. Most of them are ADHD because they can't stop. But they're so high performance, anxiety is similar as well. People wear it as a disability these days. And you look at the high, high performers, actually fuels them. Mm-hmm. Learning to. Yeah. Like, yeah, learning to navigate that. And also, too, it's like Albert Einstein was dyslexic, <laughs> yeah. Thomas Edison, like some of the greatest minds that we've ever seen yeah. have been labeled with that. But then also, like, the downside of this is with especially the school system or our system that we've created. Like, I don't know the statistics with this with ADHD, but when you look at the jail system, 75% are dyslexic, mm. which is actually quite interesting. Like, the, it's because of the system and they've been taught how to survive because they've been labelled as disabled. Yeah. Um, so, it's like, okay, I need to do things because I don't fit properly into the system. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. That was a fascinating statistic when you told me that off air. That was um, brilliant. I had no idea. But I'm not surprised mm. as well. So, I think... When you look at the big picture, like, no, we can't do a lot about the government system, the school system, all that. But what about our internal family systems inside the house, inside our own network of people? How can we nurture, become more attentive? I love how you brought that up too, because in the podcast that I, like I mentioned before, they were talking about focus. Let's say that was like the main thing they spoke about. So, you know, if you want to create change, you start it in the family dynamic and then it creates a new thing for the market, for businesses, governments mm. to change around because that's where change mm. starts because they want to fit the market. They understand that we have more of the power than they do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really powerful, actually. That's um, a powerful flow-on effect. And that's safety. When we're so busy and caught up in survival, we can't be attentive because it's based on our survival as an individual and the bare survival needs. And that, but that emotional nurturing, it's incredible when you learn to still the mind, work around what you've got. Because like, yeah, okay, these are the cards we've been dealt. Medications that can help it. It can help level things out while you work on the rest, but I don't see it as a long-term solution. It doesn't fix it. It just fills in a gap. And plus too, like I, like with a lot of the research I've read as well, like the sh- for the short term they're great for, but long term there's more side effects and there is benefits. And there's actually no studies to prove what actually happens over long term because yeah, right, been able to get the funding for it. Yeah, okay, which is quite interesting. Yeah, that is fascinating. Unfortunately, studies come down to a lot of funding. Yeah. but um, yeah, I just, I just. I really focus on that because I notice within myself where I used to be from my home environment, work environment, when I started changing my internal environment and I learned to harness and understand where I'm at, what I've got and why and make those changes over time. And it's not a quick fix and it's not saying that it's going to be cured forever, but you learn how to manage it, bring it down so then it's not up here and down here, the peaks and troughs aren't as big. And it's more level. Yeah. I, I still get sidetracked. Mm-hmm. I can get on a scrolling spree and just go, what are you doing? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm learning to change that and go, hey, okay, what do I need to be doing? Learning to prioritize yeah. instead of just skipping from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. Come back. I find writing lists really good. Mm-hmm. What are my tasks for the day? 
this is what I focus on. Mm-hmm. Learning to meditate, quiet in the mind, mm-hmm. differentiate what's my what's my nervous system ticking over in a certain way and what I can control about that. Yeah. So there's no easy quick fix. It's yeah, it's also finding what harnesses to get you into that zone and helps you to deregulate as well. Like even for myself, if I want to say really concentrate or something, it's me going out for a walk. So then the nervous system starts calming down, exercising. Mm. That's one big factor. And then also as we was talking about, it's dietary as well. Mm. That's a big thing as well. Knowing when you exercise well and what state you need to be in to, to concentrate. Um, I'm very much like that. I need to exert myself early in the day. So then I level out. <laughs> Otherwise I can be a bit more scattered. Yeah. But I find if I do that, boom, I can focus better when I'm a little down, mm-hmm. when I'm a little under energy or just bringing those energy levels down a bit. Yeah. Mm. Because a lot of the time is with the, I guess, when it comes around the hyper-focus, it's more, dri- it comes sometimes driven by, I guess, adrenaline and anxiety. So it's trying to limit those two things as well to help yeah. calm down the nervous system. So then you can perform, I guess, when you look at performance, you can perform better, can concentrate better. Yes. Whereas if you're in the stress loop, you got the... Glands just secreting um, stress hormones, affecting the kidneys, the brain, the body, the whole loop. That's hard to get out of, but Mm -hmm. that's the hardest part is getting over that hurdle, Mm -hmm. like any change. Mm -hmm. It's hard at the beginning, messy in the middle and beautiful in the end. And then once you start, you start to see those changes. Mm -hmm. And I think as well as adults, we need to take leadership, self-leadership of ourselves and then people that we lead or people that look up to us that we may not even know are looking up to us, they're affected by that and it affects their nervous system. Mm-hmm. Like that ability to co-regulate and connect. Yeah. It's huge effects. Because um, I would like to bring this up before we kind of wrap some, this mm. up as well because I'll talk about, I guess, some of the things that I've learned with dyslexia and how to, I guess, navigate with it as yeah. well. Um, what are the, some of the things you've, I guess, learnt around with being, like, having ADHD or some of the stuff with that to navigate? Mm. Understanding what the nervous system is doing, yeah. how it operates, and how to counter that. Mm-hmm. So forcing myself to rest, knowing when my flow states are to hyper-focus, mm-hmm. and then when to come down. Mm-hmm. Those dietary components, meditation's a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. And also, over the years unwrapping and unraveling those emotional traumas or even physical traumas Mm -hmm. from the past that have had my nervous system on hyper alert. So then it's easier to get out of survival and start thriving and take leadership of my own, my own responsibility, accountability, my own actions. So then the people I'm affecting, Mm -hmm. whether I know it or not, it helps them. It helps regulate them in that time. It's just that flow on effect. So, yeah, I think that learning to harness it, learning your pa- passion and purpose. Because mm-hmm. without that, we end up like a lot of sports sports stars or even people in the corporate world when they retire and they've got no sense of identity, no purpose, they turn to drugs, alcohol, and other vices mm-hmm. to uncompensate. And that's very important as well. And it's like even with, I guess, a little bit elaborate with the passion, it's just finding something you're interested in, just giving it a go and seeing what actually happens from it. Yeah, exactly. What about yourself with the dyslexia? What would you tell people as a great starting point or 
help them understand where they're at and what they're pop- capable of. Um, so it's like understanding that you, I guess like you have this mind which can just problem solve a lot quicker than most people. You have, like as we've spoken about it, you have the ability to, you know, s- solve problems a lot quicker than everyone else and understanding that's a superpower there as well. Like one of the funny um, traits that dyslexic people get or have is micromanaging. They're micromanaging managers because they like you can see the problem and then it's just like this is how you fix it. And the manager's okay. like, well, um, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was reading that up the other day. I was like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I do personally as well. I was like, if you do it this way, it'll be quicker yeah. and more efficient. And what about for the kids and the younger people coming through? Younger kids, it's, um, I guess it's just learning, I guess it's something I've found out, especially with reading and writing, is it going to be the thing that stops you from being where you are, there is ways to navigate it as well, like as something I've just found out, it's a colour scheming as well, so because um, dyslexic brains are better off recognising colours than actually words, so it's like putting, I guess, bright colours around words and that, so then... You also can concentrate, and also a really big one is creating. So when you're taking notes, sort of taking dot points, create mind maps. So how it all figure out ways how it all links together that you can trigger a train of thought, especially when you are studying or something like that for a test. It's like you bring in your mind map and you see a question. You're like, okay, where's this? And then that connects to that. So and that creates the image the dyslexic brain needs to comprehend. Yeah, because you're, I guess, a visual learner understanding the highest that and explaining it to people hey I don't learn in this way I learn more visually can you explain it this way and it's mm. something that I've had to learn too it's like when people are talking to me online it's like hey don't like I can't decode big paragraphs with people it's like can you send me dot points or send me a voice mm. message something like well, can we Is meet it, it? Me. Yeah. <laughs> with the voice messages I'm like oh sweet yeah. I love voice messages yeah. <laughs> Like my brain doesn't, yeah, because especially when I'm, I'm a lot better now than I used to be, but when I'm really tired, when it comes to like paragraphs and stuff, it just can't, brain just struggles to decode it. Yeah. And also too, it's like, don't be hard on yourself if you can't sound out a word because our brain isn't made for that. Yeah. And okay. it's like, and also with, when I, one thing I've learned with reading, it's like once I can, I guess with that certain word that I have to really read the whole sentence to be able to figure out that one word. So it's oh, okay. that allows me to think of what's there. Right. So if you know some people in these positions that you feel could really benefit from hearing this, especially younger people coming through, they're feeling like they're stupid or other friends, feeling like they can't learn or they're defective. No, you're not. <laughs> this is just a part of human nature. It's how some of us are wired differently. Mm-hmm. And there are ways around it to bring out your potential and your brilliance. And just remember too that people are more likely to help than you think. All you have to do is mm. ask and people will give that help there, especially if they can see that you're trying to better yourself. Yeah, that's a huge one. What better way to finish it off? Awesome. Cheers for tuning in, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Always a pleasure.